Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Detroit-based jazz vocalist, composer, arranger, producer, and educator, Olivia Van Gore. We get into her new 2023 CD, Don't Be Mad at Me, Surviving COVID and Her Life in Music. Raised in Hudson, Ohio, she learned how to play piano, sing in choirs, and eventually how to perform as a soloist. The love for music grew as she explored different avenues, choir, rock bands, and musical theater. Over time, she has built a reputation for not only being an excellent vocalist, but a creative force to be reckoned with. We cover this and so much more. Enjoy. Thank you for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. Of course. Of, of course. Thank you for uh, taking interest and uh, coordinating with Lisa. So. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. So, you know, before we dive into this latest project, I want to know for the last three and a half years or so going through COVID was quite a thing. How did you survive that time period as an artist? And how has it changed you now that we've kind of entered this era of new projects and live music? Totally. Okay. So I got super lucky, I got to admit. Um, so I graduated from college uh, in 2019 and had a normal graduation and did not make an impulse move like some of my other friends to move to a new city, yada, yada, yada. Um, got a, a little teaching job while I was figuring out what I was going to be doing and was living at my parents. So when everything shut down, I decided one, that I was just super grateful that I didn't make any choices to be in a different city and I had my family and I I didn't really lose out on anything um, because I just graduated. So I was kind of this blank slate. And so I spent a lot of time practicing. <laughs> um, and with that being said, um, when I was able to start doing gigs and I felt even more prepared because I didn't go to a, a super hardcore music school. I did a music major at a liberal, liberal, uh, liberal arts college and I also majored in econ and I didn't know what I was doing yet and so I took a lot of online lessons, took advantage of that during COVID and, um, and just spent a lot of time I don't want to say playing catch-up because we're all kind of always playing catch-up and learning and stuff like that, but I felt um, fortunate that that's exactly what I wanted to be doing uh, at that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's get into your album, Don't Be Mad at Me. And I want to know what went into this. Was this kind of a pandemic album? What were, what were the artistic forces that went into this release? Okay, so this is my second uh, recording. The first one that I did was a smaller EP um, that I did right out of the pandemic. So this is the second release that I've done and was kind of a a part two because the um, the first one was a culmination of a lot of the things that I had learned from the pandemic. Uh, not the pandemic as a topic, but during that time, and I had a couple of songs that I had been working on and done a lot at gigs. Um, and so I recorded those right out the gate, had something to not just share with people, but to market myself. Um, and then the second one felt a little bit more like I could be a little bit more artistic because I have established myself and I have work and I could be a little bit more free and so I have two originals on the album in addition to um, a couple of arrangements that I've loved. And 
it also felt like in due time, it had been about two years since my um, first recording, and a lot has changed since then. What are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from this album? You know, I I hope that uh, it's not only just a, a enjoyable thing for all musicians or, or all music lovers. Um, I try to make my music not just accessible uh, to everyone, but uh, interesting and not, um, I don't know, like I, I try to make it for the listener and at the same time for me. And I think that that provides a, uh, a little sneak peek as to what my live performances are like and a little bit of a, uh, uh, a window into what my writing is like because of those two songs, uh, the songs I Can Tell and Sweetness are uh, both of mine. And I think I'm going to have a lot more original music in the future and kind of enveloped into uh, arrangements of uh, more popular tunes like Over the Rainbow or Almost Like Being in Love, um, then it's a, kind of a package of who I am as an artist and who I'm becoming at the same time doing what I love, which is standards and, um, you know, pushing more into what a what a jazz vocalist can do and what they're capable of because I arranged all of the songs and, uh, like I said, I wrote the other two get to the beginnings of this jazz journey. Tell me where you were born and raised and how did the this love of not only music but jazz become you? Okay. Uh, so I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but my family moved when I was very young to a town in Northeast Ohio, which is where I grew up um, up until age 18 and, and then moving to uh, Columbus where I went to school. And uh, when I was in when I was growing up, I don't have a very musical family. I have a couple of musicians, distant family, um, but my parents weren't really hip to, to much outside of my dad knowing a little bit of guitar. And so when I took interest in piano when I was a kid, it was kind of my thing. And I was able to um, to not only enjoy music in general, but I was able to do it as I as I pleased, um, which I was really thankful for because I feel like it became a theme in my life that music has always been something where I want to follow what interests me. And when I was in high school, uh, I'd always sung a little bit, but I wasn't super uh, vocal, which is like, no pun intended, about being a singer and, and doing that. Um, but I always liked to sing, and some people knew that I did, but I mostly liked playing piano. I played a little bit of trumpet when I was growing up, too. I just liked music. And so my friend, uh, who was an actor, she asked me to audition for the musical with her, and I was a little hesitant because I was just scared of, of, I was nervous about going into a whole new group of, of people, a whole other community in high school, and I, I, don't know, I was just scared to try something new, um, and I'm so glad I did because then that led me to the director saying, you should try out for the jazz band. I think your voice would fit um, really nicely. I did that, and then uh, the, kind of the rest is history, but with the same pattern of no one really pushed me. I've had mentors that have suggested things for me, but because I 
didn't really do anything the conventional way of, you know, getting a lot of lessons and, and doing competitions growing up or nothing like that. It's been a very natural journey to finding this music. And then even in college, um, there's no jazz program. So I sang with the jazz band. I, I did voice lessons through the music degree, um, but it was also just classical training. So when my uh, family moved to a town outside of Metro Detroit when I was in college, I took a summer camp over over the summer visiting my family uh, in Detroit, and that's where I met mentors that really saw all of these all of these connections that I've already had, and all of these things that just really needed to be tied together in my background, and helped me not just find a deeper love for for singing this music, singing jazz music, but then showed me that I, I'm capable of doing so much more. And it just, that, I don't want to say permission, but that encouragement gave, I was able to give myself permission to go in pretty hard. And so I spent, like I said, I spent the time during the pandemic and the summers before that in college um, doing a lot of my own my own learning and taking online private lessons um, and learning from people. And then when things opened up again, going to jam sessions in Detroit, and then I decided to stay. And the, the learning by doing has been the most beneficial thing for me so far. What was the very first live jazz show you saw that blew you away? Ooh, I think it was in college when uh, Surreal May visited, and it was uh, a uh, a series that the college I went to a school near Columbus called Denison University, and they have a a series um, that's free to the uh, students and even the the people in the the town um, called the Vale Series, and they always have so amazing such amazing musicians, and Surreal May came and uh, totally blew me away with. Uh, her improvisation and arrangements and uh, everything like that. And I, I definitely remember that as a, oh, wow, like that's that's the kind of singer I want to be, not just one that's singing in front of a band, but one that's a part of the band and, and clearly uh, instrumental, no pun intended, to the music. What is it in this journey of being a professional musician that you like the best? What is it that you look forward to? There's all these aspects of, you know, recording and playing live and promoting and teaching the younger people. But what is it for you that you look forward to the most? I think definitely live performance is number one. Um, and the, everything else is supplementary and important and uh, awesome. But the live performance for me is is kind of the reason to be doing this and then, uh, at least for me, it's it's the most important part. Why do you love this? I mean, it's it's a simple question, but at the end of the day, why do you love it? I love it because how it's a it's not just the style of music, but the community and the um, the outlook on music that it it brings. There's a very specific attitude as far as, um, you know, tradition and community and, and pushing boundaries and encouraging improvisation and creativity. 
um, that I love so much, in addition to it being a home for some of the the best songs written of all time, um, in my opinion. So it's like, it's a combination where I love all the songs, whether it was, you know, the ones um, from early, early prehistoric jazz uh, to the recent modern compositions uh, to everything in between. Um, some of my favorite songs come from those musicians and then the fact that it's encouraged to learn these things for vocalists to improvise for a lot of ensemble moments to happen um, makes it my favorite. And it's also so challenging that it's almost addicting. And I love that too, because I never want to feel bored and that's for sure not going to happen with this music. So if you could get into a time machine, we get off the phone and a jazz DeLorean pulls up and you could go anywhere in time and see any musician anywhere, where are you going? Okay. Well, this is funny because I'm actually looking at, um, I have like a framed album cover of uh, Sarah Vaughn singing at the Tivoli. It's one of my favorite live albums of all time. So I guess I would be going to Copenhagen. And I don't know what year it was, but um, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. And I'd love to see that. Everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you ultimately run the show. What is your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think that I am a, um, I, 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 at least I, I like to think that I am in, uh, an example of a vocalist that is doing just as much as an instrumentalist can. And on top of that, you know, being able to tell my own story is uh, really important to me. And I'd like to think at least this prime, I'm only five years in. Um, I know I'm example of a person who's always changing and always learning. And right now my mission, especially with teaching uh, students on the side, is to be this um, uh messenger of of information to other vocalists to uh, invite them to this party that we have. And then um, for me and my colleagues, I want to be um, a, a good leader and a just a good example of someone that I know what I want to do, I know what I want to try to be doing, and I want to do it um, professionally and and respectfully, and also um, inspire other people, whether it's music lovers or, or other musicians. If anyone wants to pick up, don't be mad at me, find out about live shows, where is the best place for them to do that and even to pick up your, your first album? Yeah, so I, I sell both of those on Bandcamp. I find that that's the most um, musician-friendly website, and you can even check... If you don't live near uh, Michigan or, or Ohio, I also perform in regularly. If you don't live near there and can catch me at a show, then uh, Bandcamp, especially on Bandcamp Fridays, is the best timing because then uh, they don't take any of the extra uh, fees on those days. And then, of course, if we're in person, then you get to just uh, pay it at the flat, the flat price. Um, <laughs> and sometimes... Uh, 
if I have enough, then I even bundle the two CDs together for a lower price. So catch me at a, a live show for the best bet. And then everything else can also be found for free on streaming. But I've been so grateful for the music lovers who, even if they don't have a CD player, some do get the CD as a commemorative um, little uh something fun to hold on to there's also fun liner notes inside but uh you can also buy the digital album on uh, Bandcamp and listen on wherever at your own leisure beautiful olivia thank you so much for your time today best of luck with the album and everything else as we move forward Thank you so much, Joe. You have a good day. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and singers in Ohio, Detroit, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Olivia for her time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Good for me. Jazz.